0: Another pre-show announcement here, sadly due to some difficulties with scheduling over the winter, our famous show backlog has dwindled down to almost nothing. To correct that and make sure we're able to bring you shows in a consistent way, we're going to take a bit of a working vacation here to rebuild our thrill stores. Don't worry, though. We'll continue to have new content on Mondays. First, we'll do the 1986 specials and annuals, starting with the 1986 sci-fi special today. And after that, we'll begin a round of Space Spinner collections until we're ready to go. Thanks for bearing with us. We'll be back to 100% thrill power before you know it. Splendig Verthrig! My name is Conrad and this is the 146th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's to comic 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from the weekly progs to once again venture into the exciting world of special editions, in this case, the 1986 sci-fi special. We're seeing these specials become a testing ground for new 2080 talent combined with excellent classic 2080 action and several pages of Judge Dredd Saturday comics. The price of this special... Has gone up to sixty-five pence. But more important than that is my guest for this episode, Drew from the Stranger by the Dozen podcast. Whoa! Welcome aboard, buddy. Uh,
1: hey Conrad, I, I think I'm on the wrong call. Uh, this <laughs> this is not Doctor Strange. What what's going on, man?
0: I mean, it's Doctor Something, I think. Uh, but yeah,
1: okay, sure.
0: D- yeah, Drew and I discuss the uh, the comic adventures of Doctor Stephen Strange, master of the Mix- mystic arts, every two weeks or so. How you doing, Drew? Uh, I am great. And so far out of my element. Weirdly confused by these uh, British comics from around the year of your birth, I'd imagine. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. I just realized how old this comic book is. 1986, my friend. Oh, but, uh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay. Uh, for folks who haven't listened to Stranger by the Dozen, could you, like, give us your history with comics, I guess? Or just, I don't know, anything you'd like random folks, mostly Eng- mostly sort of middle-aged English guys to to know about you? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, sorry, like your history with comics or anything like that. Oh, like I my guess. history with
1: comics. Like, I've been, I've been reading like Marvel and DC forever. And then I, you mm-hmm. know, I traced into the deep, dark pit of uh, Japanese manga, which is, you know, continuously deep and dark and all kinds of weird. But, yeah, but I have refound my way back into the Marvel universe, which I have firmly stayed with the occasional jaunts into DC
0: because, you know, the Flash is entertaining. Sure, yeah, but with all that, and indeed with the dark world of Japanese comics, have what's your history with uh, British comics, and specifically 2000 AD? Does Hellboy count? No, <laughs> then I, nothing. I have nothing, yeah. Conrad dick all all right that's awesome <laughs> um, and honestly this sci-fi special that we're looking at is a pretty decent place to start it's got all the 2080 characters that i usually refer to as the 2080 mount rushmore like the, the sort of top four dudes with uh, judge dread johnny alpha rogue trooper and slain but, Drew, since you're new to this stuff, I thought maybe it'd be cool to sort of talk about the hi- uh, the history of 2000 AD, which might also be helpful for just sort of new people trying to get into it and all that stuff.
1: I'd greatly so, appreciate that because I know exactly one of these
0: characters. All right. Yeah, totally. So I guess we could start with the big differences between UK and US comics. So basically, your average US comic is monthly. It's got a single story in it, and it's about superheroes. Would you agree with that, <laughs> like you know, just in general? Okay, all right, got it. Yeah. Whereas UK comics tend to be weekly; they're anthology comics, so somewhere between four and six, or four and six, or even four and eight different stories per issue. And the boys' com and their boys' comics tend to just be about World War II okay, and sort so, of similar so war w- things. More, more
1: towards the like Shonen Jump type stuff then
0: yeah exactly yeah it's it's very similar to how uh uh, japanese comics come out i believe okay Great. Um, but so, you know, obviously that, that's a big difference. Like you can see how that's different than, than American comics, especially like even when Marvel and DC made moves in the UK market, they did it by splitting comics into anthology books and even hiring local writers to do anthology versions of the standard superheroes. But like, the, like as opposed to America, where I feel like if you're talking about comic books, the default is that people assume you're talking about superheroes. It's very different in the UK where they have a lot more – Com- like a sports comics or comics about spies or especially like guys fighting various fronts of World War II and stuff. Right. Um I'd say also um when I said boys comics were are were most about World War 2 in this era like sort of or especially when 2008 was starting sort of in the early to mid 70s there was actually way more diversity in girls comics and it's funny because the two were very strictly separated. Uh, but girls comics tend to be more divo- diverse and Not just like sort of melodramas like you might have had in sort of uh, comics meant for girls in the US, but also just various young women trying to make their ways in life. A lot of them had uh, supernatural elements. Uh, Rebellion, the company that currently publishes 2000 AD and also makes like the Sniper Elite video games, has been... Has started releasing versions of some of these comics, including Misty, which I'm actually very excited to read at, at some point. But it's sort of this girl's comic that's got a lot of like, oh, like go- go- ghosts and spooky stuff and things like that, as well as just sort of like, you know, oh, I've got a pretty dress, blah blah blah. Oh, that sounds <laughs> awesome. It is actually. I yeah, again, I'm I'm super excited about checking it out. But so the mid in the mid 70s, there was this move to try to improve boys' comics by adding some of the storytelling conventions that had become pretty commonplace in girls' comics. Huh. And sort of, you know, lady up these boys comics, which were very much just sort of like uh, like recap, explosion, cliffhanger. I guess they want to sort of add some more elements to those stories and stuff. The first big move for this was with the comic action in 1976, which uh, me and our our mutual friend Jason are reviewing in the Space Spinner spinoff show, uh, Space Spinner Reaction. Oh, It was yeah. basically... Yeah, it's sort of, it was an attempt to tell stories for boys comics that were in a more realistic way, not like, like real realistic, I'm making finger quotes on that real, uh-huh. but just to be <laughs> more like gritty and more of like a move to sort of being like, oh yeah, like this is something, this is a story similar to something that I've seen on TV or in the movie theater or something like that, as opposed to just sort of standard, like 30 year old comic book conventions of storytelling, I guess. Um... Like the problem is that action itself was uh censored about six months in. Like the uh a bunch of parents groups found it very objectionable and sort of had it pulled off the shelves and sort of came back with its teeth taken out. And, oh, imagine, like imagine it was my it
1: surprise.
0: was surprise. Okay. Yeah. As it goes, you know. Yeah. And so it was it it, it was cancelled not long after that, but from the from the ashes of action rose my good buddy, two thousand AD. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so basically, in 1977, the future, the one of the early editors of two, of uh, 2000 AD, uh, Kelvin Gosnell, basically noted that a bunch of of family like sci-fi movies were on the horizon. You know, Star Wars is definitely the biggest one, but also stuff like Close Encounters of the Third Kind and the Black Hole, other movies like that. And because that was sort of coming up in the zeitgeist, he pitched an idea of a science fiction comic to to come out and it was picked up by the publishers and so they made to that and it was called 2000 ad found in february 1977 it's been running ever since pretty much on this show we've been looking at it from the start and we're now a quarter of the way through 1986 so about nine years of weekly comics oh, oh wow. that's crazy so you know yeah and 146 episodes thank you very much um you know yeah Jeez. Um, Okay. I definitely yeah. So if you want to start, from, you know, so obviously our first episode is the first Prague of 2000 AD. I'd kind of suggest starting at one of our new uh, other new listener episodes. They're clearly marked on, in our on our feed. Um, just because it, take, it took us a little while to figure out how microphones work or me or a little while to figure out how, how microphones work correctly and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> so I would say that like episode one is maybe not the best place to start in terms of sound quality. Uh, you know, not to say that we're perfect now by any means, but, you know, getting better. Right, um, right. We've right, also put, yeah, i also put out a bunch of collected editions which are basically like you can get, which sync up with sort of popular graphic novels that Rebellion sells of collected comics. So it's sort of just our, 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 um, ep- like the pieces of our episodes covering those specific stories, essentially. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, and that's sort of how that's sort of the the getting into 2000 AD part. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> um,
1: that, that certainly clears things up for a, a, a very I mean, uneducated person like myself.
0: I mean, I hope it's helpful just to get a sense of, of the of the of the background of like what 2000 AD is. You know, just sort of like what the kind of culture is going into. The actual stories, is no, what I'm trying to say, you know? It, it really does. Absolutely. Cool. Hey. All right. So, just before we go, I just want to sort of, th- there's these three pieces of terminology that we use a lot in the show that I feel like I should mention, although they are not actually that big a deal in this thing, which is our three terms, uh, prog, thrill, and tharg. All right? Okay. So, prog, basically each issue of 2000 AD is called a program, which is shortened to a prog. Um, that's just so a prog's just an, another word for issue or issue number in 2000 AD. So you know, how very English. It's you know, I'm t- it's programmed with two M's and an E at the end. True. How like that's English! A, that's how English it is. Oof. And you know, it's it's sort of based on a very 1977 understanding of what a computer program is. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um, but so just just to give you an idea of what the average prog of 2000 AD is like at this point they're almost entirely black and white except for cover ex- except for the cover and two pages in the middle of the book it the cover isn't glossy like american comics are at this point like the whole thing kind of looks like just a side stitched like like newspaper basically like like if you got like a sunday supplement of a newspaper that would that was sort of like like sort of that 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 was like half size from a newspaper page basically it makes it sort of flimsy and means that like really old ones like it's very hard to find a very high graded like old 2018 just because they're sort of designed to fall apart almost right um they're also way more square than u.s comics like they're almost like four three like an old school tv or something like that instead of more conventional comics or even modern comics which like i said in a recent uh stranger by the dozen like modern comics are like twice as long as they are <laughs> or like the ratio makes them twice as long as as like a 2000 ad especially i'm just gonna repeat what i said um, before gotta get that 16 by 9 always yeah listen read these comics in 1080p buddy um <laughs> so like i said 2000 ad is an anthology comic which means that instead of one story that goes for the whole issue. It's got several, usually between about four and six or so. Um, They're generally all non-related stories that are going on all at once with different creative teams, especially different uh, artists, as well as as often different writers. And we call these individual stories thrills. (laughs) So a thrill is an individual story within 2000 AD. And um, generally in an average episode of the podcast, we've organized it around thrills. So we do all the judge dread stories in a given month instead of going sort of issue by issue basically okay just like for me i feel like that is is a little bit more concise so that like we aren't like all right like here you know all right so part one here's this judge dread and then here's this next judge dread then blah, blah blah like sort of mixed with all the other thrills in in there instead of just sort of here's these thrills um some thrills are one-offs usually they those have headings like future shocks or robo tales depending on their on their content um, other thrills are short-lived miniseries that might go like six to a dozen progs or so. And some, most notably Judge Dredd, are evergreen, long-running comics. Though those are usually in a serial style, w- w- going from one cliffhanger to the next, you know? So, like, Judge Dredd's always the biggest example. It premiered in Prog 2 and has been in it almost ever since. Like, there's only, like, seven or eight, I think, progs that haven't had a Judge Dredd story in it, basically. Of the over 2,000 progs that have come out in 2018 history. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: okay. It,
0: yeah, it's a big mountain, buddy. It, it's, um,
1: it's kind I, of overwhelming, actually.
0: Yeah. So the uh, the final... Well, you know, that's why to, that's why Space Spinner 2000 is here to hold your hand as you as we sort of, you know, move into this mountain of thrill power. Man. <laughs> and the provider of thrill power, which is the unit by which all thrills must be measured, <laughs> is <laughs> Tharg. Uh, many anthology comics in this era had like a character sort of outside the stories that introduced or organized the, the material within. It's sort of similar to like uh, Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone or like the Crypt Keeper in Tales from the Crypt, right? Like a character that's always there to introduce a less stable lineup, essentially. Um, or like a presenter on like a TV channel. Like I know like in the BBC, there's sort of one voice. Each channel has a specific voice that sort of introduces every show. Right. It's a similar thing to that. So, in 2000 AD, there's an alien editor named, like, the the editor of the comic is this alien named Tharg, a green-skinned, white, mohawked alien from the planet Quaxan in the Beetlejuice system. He eats plastic cups and will tell you that he is mighty and awesome, and he calls all humans Earthlets. Um, he he claims to be the editor of the comic, and that the skyscraper that 2000 AD and IPC Magazines Limited, their parent companies based in, is actually his spaceship. And you know, in reality, the current editor of 2000 AD in our podcast timeline is a Steve McManus, who's a who's a you know a cool dude. Okay. Follows us on Twitter. Not not to brag. Oh um, wow! Well la dee <laughs> Exactly. So we talked about progs, which is sort of the regular week-to-week comics, but this time we're reading the sci-fi special for 1986. And the special is sort of a different beast from the progs. The cover's different too. It's got kind of a glossy, or not, you know, like like American-style comic cover almost. These specials came out in the summer and were basically for kids to take with them on summer break and stuff. So they've got individual one-shot comics, and then other things to keep them occupied, like text stories and little games and things like that. So, oh, hey, a this quiz one, special. Yeah, all right. There's some stuff, buddy. So this one lists all the different features um, on the inside, which is kind of unusual for 2000 AD, and it's got a kid reflected in Dred's visor. Here's looking at you, Juve. <laughs> And the art here is by John Higgins doing good stuff. Higgins done, has done a lot of stuff for 2000 AD and he was actually the colorist for a bunch of Alan Moore things like Watchmen and the Killing Joke. And he did art for the pirate comic that was in the recent before Watchmen series in DC. The inside oh, of the cover has a, has a table of contents with a big Judge Dredd looming over Mega City 1, which looks like it's by Mick McMahon, who's done a lot of, uh, comic, of, of different comic things. And it's a real master of 2000 AD art as well. But all that to say, Drew, we're gonna jump right in to this special with Drew One Rogue Trooper. <laughs> so, um, oh, I should also say, Drew, uh, uh, Tharg, the Master of 2000 AD, the Alien Editor, right? Yeah. Uh, one, you've you've played Elite Dangerous, right? The video game? Have I played Elite Dangerous? Yes, I have. I knew you have, and so the video, the uh, the aliens in that game are called Thargoids, which is specifically a reference to Tharg, the uh, the editor of the Galaxy's Greatest Comic. Oh, okay. Yeah. The other thing is that. Um, part of the story of Tharg being the comic's alien editor is that everybody who works on the comic, all of the writers and artists and letterers and stuff, are all robots that he built in his spare time to create this comic. So <laughs> I always introduce the creative teams as script robot, art robot, lettering robot, etc. So, <laughs> So uh, just to introduce some of the creators here, uh, Peter Milligan has written a bunch of comic book stuff in the States. I think most people might know him from his work on Shade the Changing Man or the X-Men spit-off Ecstatics, which has a, co- a crossover event with Doctor Strange, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, <laughs> José Ortiz is a Spanish artist, which is pretty common for British comics. They use a lot of Mediterranean artists, either from Spain or Italy. Anyway, it's Rogue Trooper time! We find ourselves on the distant planet of New Earth, where a battle always rages between the two forces, the Souther's and the Nort's. The South is a sort of generic, like, English-slash-American English dudes. The Norts are clearly, like, sort of, you know, Russian commie Nazis, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. No,
1: no, like, subtle... <laughs> we see
0: a uh, a Nort tank has just been blown up, and these soldiers are scrambling for medics, but their officer orders them to assault the infantry instead. And up ahead they see a terrifying sight, the rogue trooper! Oh, dang.
1: Oh, wait, no, I do know and- this guy. Oh really? Yeah, he was in a video game or something or other for PS. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, 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 yeah. For PS2, I um, I remember a website called Rogue, the Rogue Trooper video game, the most seven out of ten game of all time. That was a pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> description it's actually uh rebellion recently remastered uh the rogue trooper game and released it on uh, modern consoles as well that's that's right they did oh man interested in that sort of thing but yeah i know rogue troopers a uh a big 2000 ad guy, so that's why they finally and plus i feel like his equipment his uh, his setup's very video gamey so i feel like it translates pretty well uh rogue trooper he's got blue skin he's a genetically engineered super soldier uh a genetic infantryman specifically they call him and this lets him survive the harsh atmosphere of uh, the planet New Earth without having to wear a gas mask or even a shirt. (laughs) He's accompanied by his three fellow GIs who have previously died, but their personalities are preserved in microchips that are part of his war gear. Uh, So here's, like, a big thing that makes this comic sort of silly, Drew. Because, okay, so Rogue Trooper's name is Rogue, all right? Uh Uh-huh his his buddies have personality chips in his helmet backpack and gun and are called helm bagman and gunner respectively oh boy
1: conrad what did you sign me
0: up for here you know sometimes you be sometimes you know the some something gets exposed and you just really realize that oh yeah these these comics are made are meant for 10 year olds huh I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> So the Nort captain, with a K, orders the troopers to attack Rogue. But when one one is blinded by the by an explosion, is almost executed. The non blinded soldier instead frags the officer, and they make out on their own. They plan to head to Souther lines and be taken as prisoners, and just you know, write out the rest of the war as POWs, basically. Um, you know, they and as they go, they're sort of having an existential conversation about the concept of war. As you do, I guess. <laughs> When they find a Souther vehicle and try to head to Souther lines, though, they're found by Rogue Trooper and killed instantly on the spot because a gunner the gun is kind of bloodthirsty, to be honest. (laughs) Rogue checks their bodies, finds that they're pretty young dudes, but the chips are pretty sure they're just fanatical Nort youth commandos. They've clearly been, they've clearly been sort of turned by Souther propaganda. War is hell, even if you're a GI and stuff whoa <laughs> wow uh that's wow <laughs> super dark right yeah like, this is a because no very...
1: like you know th- those guys like the the nords could have gotten away gotten to the souther's and you know been pow's yeah. but nah nah and like
0: and like both one of the one of the nords and the biochips both say that the other side eats their prisoners for breakfast you know like so they've both been sort of dealing with identical propaganda and stuff man war sort of is a, hell yeah, it's sort of a downtime for Rogue Trooper right now. Like they're sort of in between storylines, and so they're very much like, "All right, let's just have a weird, like, existential Rogue Trooper story here." I think it, it certainly <laughs> makes me feel ways about stuff. I'll say that for sure. Hey, that's all we're asking for. But... <laughs> all right. So, speaking of the complexities of combat, Drew, let's go to "Thrill to the Man Who Wouldn't Die." Scripture about Ola Stepanuk, art robot David Pugh, lettering robot Steve Potter. Uh, so the guys um, doing work here aren't that well known out of 2000 AD, I think. And this is an example of a future shock, which is basically a one-off sci-fi story. Although, uh, and it's basically where where two where uh, where new artists and writers hone their craft and get their start. You know, a lot of times, uh, okay. and uh, like like. Um, writers will do a bunch of future shocks before they get sort of put on a, a regular feature. Like, like, um, Alan Moore actually did a whole bunch of future shocks when he first started in 2000 AD. There's even a collected edition just of Alan Moore's future shocks that, that's currently out. But so this one, oh, and then some writers, of course, never actually get out of uh, future shocks, and 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 Stepanuk is is like that. But they're often fun with silly final parts that require air horns to punctuate because that's just the nature of the beast, basically. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, a swordster army in a fantasy land is preparing for battle with the Scythemen, when Cool Dude Volgarad uh, goes to the to, to a magic mirror to see his fate. And it seemed that he will die in four days, but that's good news because that be, that means he's invulnerable before then. Word of this uh, makes the source the stirs excited and the synthman worried, and it's very sort of Arthur Dent in later Hitchhiker's Guide books, like like books of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where it's like, well, I know that I can't die till X Y Z has happened, so until that's happened, I could basically just sort of do what I want. I'm, gonna,
1: I'm going to push my luck, yeah, because
0: I'm guaranteed to live, you know. So, yeah. everybody starts fighting, and it's very cool, just double-spaced spreads of fantasy violence by, by David Pugh, who I like a lot. Volgorad kills the enemy champion, he dodges through arrows, but then a foolhardy spearman takes a stab at him and runs him through! Whoa! <laughs> everybody freaks out, the swordsters retreat, and because Volgorad is stuck lying in the middle of an empty battlefield with a spear through his gut, it takes him four days to die. <laughs> Oh, wow. that's how they get you, buddy. You always got to check when you're going to start dying, as well as you're going to end dying with these mystic prophecies, man. Come on. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs>
1: oh man, that re- that really came to bite him in the butt. That's oh, jeez. Sure. Or you know, stab him through the gut. I I don't
0: know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, it works with me, buddy. Absolutely. All right, fine. <laughs> whatever. Oh, also yeah also for the record we're all uh, we're all starting to die every minute of the day because let's stay dark on these thrills um <laughs> oh, oh that's real dark always mid special there's a full page of ads here which is kind of unusual in specials and but they're the usual sort of 2000 AD ones there's two just comic book shops selling 2080 back specials I think at this point we're up to into the four sixties. So there's a whole four hundred and sixty or so back issues. So there's a lot. One's wow. One selling collectible football programs, and of course another is offering a complete stamp collector's outfit. We've seen these offers of getting started with stamp collecting through mail basically since Prague, one very stalwart um, comic book enterprise. <laughs> All right. So speaking of uh, various pursuits, it's thrill three strontium dog. So, script about John Wagner, art about Carl Suscara, letter about Peter Knight, and Jack Potter. All right. <laughs> so, Strontium Dog, Drew. Yeah. It's another of these top 2080 thrills. For me, it's basically right after Judge Dredd in terms of my favorite ones. Okay. Uh, it has the same writing team of, ju- as, uh, of Judge Dredd as John Wagner and Alan Grant. Uh, John Wagner is probably best known for his graphic novel, A History of Violence, that was made into a movie, like maybe uh, like a bunch of years ago, I think. Right. Um and then Alan Grant in America has written a bunch of Batman stuff. He created characters like Zaz and the Ventriloquist. Oh, okay. Yeah, but for Strontium Dog, the big name is Carlos Escara, who's a a Spanish artist who's one of the defining creators of 2000 AD. He did like the dis- the initial design for Judge Dredd. He did a bunch of iconic art for Strontium Dog. He worked on 2000 AD and other sort of British comics for 40 years and then died recently in the fall of 2018, which is a real blow to the 2000 AD comic, which wow. he was still doing even doing which he was still doing r- regular art for 40 years in. Oh, wow. Like, he's a huge, influential comic artist that I feel like doesn't get his fair due because he worked in England instead of in America, basically, but he's, like, no. one of these... <laughs> nah, but I mean, I, I, I would say that, like, his art influenced a lot of other people's art. Like, if you like an English artist, they, at this point, they probably grew up with a scara, you know? Right. Um, But, yeah, so I don't know. He's a good... He He's really good and, 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 and well-missed by this stuff. Um... So, the other thing about strontium dog, I guess, is that this story actually started in the two thousand and eighty spin off star Lord, which was created in uh in, in, in nineteen seventy eight to capitalize on the popularity of two thousand and eighty no relation to Peter Quill and the Marvel character i guess uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this but this was the style at the time with these British comics, where if one was popular, they'd basically spin off another version of it to sort of pull in new readers that maybe didn't specifically like what was in 2000 AD, but would be willing to read like a, a sci-fi comic. And if it didn't sell well, then they just fold them, be- they just merge them back in together. So for a while, it became 2000 AD and Star Lord, and like the best comics from Star Lord became also 2080 comics essentially. Um, it's an interesting sort of business model, I guess, because they've got these, like, because they're anthology comics, they're, it's a lot easier to sort of, like, merge them around and move things about and stuff, it's, which I, th- I think is kind of interesting. Um, anyhow, this is a really early Strontium Dog adventure, it's from Star-Lord 3 to 5. And just for background, basically, a Strontium, a Strontium Dog is the story of mutant bounty hunter Johnny Alpha and his sidekick, the human Viking, Wolf Sternhammer. And they hunt fugitives through the starways in the year 2180.
1: All right. Uh, I didn't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. A human Viking?
0: Yeah. We actually just went through a flashback that explained his origin stories, but basically the world of Strontium Dog has time travel, like real aggressive time travel. Uh-huh. And so a bunch of fugitives went back to 793 and started reckon wrecking shop? Uh-huh. And so Johnny Alpha went back to uh, to take them out and along the way sort of saved the life of and was his life was saved by uh, this Viking wolf who and they became friends and eventually wolf came back to the future with him and now they became and, and now they're best of friends.
1: Yeah, right. That works. That's scans. It's all good.
0: Listen, if you don't think that's awesome, then I don't know if we can keep doing this podcast true.
1: Whoa, man, I didn't say it wasn't awesome. All right. <laughs> okay,
0: good, good. Listen, yeah, but listen,
1: listen. If we're going to talk about time-traveling Vikings, I'm all in, all right? Yeah, totally.
0: They were they were in on the raid at a Lindisfarne. It's awesome. but Awesome. Uh, so, this, so this takes place in the year 2180. It's a future with space colonies and starships. There's even, like, some space wizards out there and stuff. But it's basically like, like a space western most of the time. Okay. A lot of, like, rolling into dusty towns looking for bounties, essentially. Cool. Uh, Yeah, Johnny's a mutant. He's got freaky eyes that give him various, like, sort of ill-defined but powerful superpowers, although most of the mutants in Strontium Dog are actually just sort of weird-looking and maybe savage or something. They aren't like, um, you know, the mutants in in America that are just sort of beautiful people with uh, combat-based abilities, like, you know. (laughs) Like a lot of mutants in Strontium Dog are like, oh, that guy's got like an ex, got like that guy's like a rhino dude. Or Like, oh, that guy's face is on his knee, so we call him Kidney. You know, like oh, stuff like
1: a, that. That's a bad pun. That's a really bad
0: pun. Though. I mean, there are a lot of them are vehicles for puns, but like a lot of them are just sort of like just like, oh, that guy's just ugly, so whatever. He's a mutant. We hate him. <laughs> got
1: it. So more Fallout mutants rather than uh, X Men mutants. Got it. Yes, ex- exactly. Okay.
0: Um, I should also mention that uh, these mutants were created by there being too much of the element strontium-90 in the air because of a nuclear war, and that's why these guys that are search-destroy agents are derisively called (laughs) strontium-dogs. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see how it is. Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right. So the story starts with Johnny and Wolf getting aboard the Astro Liner Sondheim on their way to catch a bounty. And we just sort of see some of the pervasive anti-mutant racism that's a big part of the Strontia Dog story as Johnny's forced to go travel in the luggage compartment by scornful passengers. Uh, Wolf goes down and joins him. But as the ship takes off, we see a bunch of pirates led by the evil Papa Porca preparing to attack. Oh, no. Oh, dang. (laughs) so as the ship travels johnny and wolf are chilling in a cargo hold when a voice comes from the box wolf is sitting on it's a gronk um gronks are these little hairy alien dudes they're just covered in white hair they got weird tube noses forearms with two fingers each and they eat metal with their big central like gross mouth basically Huh, okay real terrifying but also like vaguely cute aliens they're terminally frightened of everything they got weak hearts that are easy to to explode by too much excitement oh, no wonder he looks so sad <laughs> yeah wolf makes peace with this gronk and they seem to become buddies when suddenly the ship comes under attack the pirate ship is detaching limpet pods to attack, which Johnny observes with his alpha ray eyes. And Johnny and Wolf are called up to the ship's command bridge because they're basically the only ones aboard the ship that's able to fight. The ship doesn't even have guns or anything like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Unfortunately, when they got aboard, they had to check all their weapons. They're all locked in the hold, so they couldn't fight if they wanted to. And they kind of don't because, you know, they were the ship's crew was sort of jerks to them when they came aboard, basically. <laughs>
1: I mean, can you really blame them?
0: <laughs> it's true. And at this point, it's too late anyway because the pirates are breaking through the walls. The boys fight as much as they can with improvised weapons but are quickly beaten by the pirates. Soon, the ship has been taken and the pirates start rec- uh, start recruiting or spacing passengers. Just like join or die, basically. Okay. <laughs> the pirate leader, Papa Porka, offers Johnny and Wolf a job and sends them to the brig to think it over. After a few hours, though, they hear a voice. It's the Gronk. He sensed they were in trouble and has used his metal eating powers to quickly spring them from jail. Where it's like, Oh, you guys are locked behind these bars. I'm just gonna lick them with my metal eating tongue and just my salivary glands are enough to destroy the bars. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> uh,
1: that's weird. And his tongue is coming up from a weird spot. Just gonna yeah. throw that out there.
0: He's got a s he's got like a belly mouth, basically, you know. It's not uh, in your head uh, where you want it to be. Just straight uh, shot right to the gut. You know, uh, aliens, man. It's an alien. It'd be weirder if they had a physical setup just like ours, dude. You know, come on. <laughs> the boys uh, creep through the ship. I always forget what a... Do you, hey, Drew, do you have a suggestion for like a Die Hard type movie but that's like Die Hard in a spaceship? Uh... <laughs> I always think of like Lockdown, which was Die Hard on a space station, which is pretty similar, but not quite the same as on a spaceship. Yeah, really you know what I'm trying of like to a say? Yeah, really you know,
1: like, a good comparison yeah, cause all the ones to like I, Die Hard in a spaceship.
0: Yeah, because all the ones I think of also are basically like alien movie, or like alien, you know, something that's really, like that. That's,
1: that's really what it is. It's just alien.
0: Yeah, but that's diff- That's a different genre than a, than a Die Hard type movie. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Um, nah, it's an eternal question. <laughs> yeah. But they 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 creep to the ship, get their weapons, and start fighting back. And now we get a chance to see the cool strontium dog weapons, which include time traps, which basically warp people back in time a few seconds in a continual loop, so they relive the same couple seconds over and over again, which is really awesome. <laughs> just like, <laughs> they're caught just rewinding and going through things over and over again. One thing, one weapon they don't show that—that's one of my favorites—is a time grenade. Which basically warps you a couple minutes into the future, but it doesn't warp you forward in space. It just warps you forward in time. So, like, you you hit somebody with it, and by the time they warp back into existence, the Earth, like the planet they're on has moved on. So you just die in deep space. It's awesome. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, you got to think about it, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because if they're if they're staying like completely still, then. That Whenever yeah. they were on, it's going to be a few million
0: miles away. Exactly. I think that's a really cool idea. Especially because so often time travel, you just you move in time and space, which doesn't really make sense if you think about it. Yeah. The boys move forward. Wolfie's smashing dudes with his war hammer, which I don't think he does it here, but is generally called Dare Happy Stick, which is pretty good. And Johnny's alpha, J- Johnny Alpha's alpha eyes look ahead and see a huge mass of pirates ahead. It'll be a tough fight. But Johnny's going, going, going to it. E- uh, but Johnny's going to even the odds with a beam polarizer and his new hand-to-hand combat weapon, his Nux. which we'll see more <laughs> about later in the comic, Con- continued on page fifty-four. <laughs> All right, yeah, good stuff. I don't know. I, I really like Strontium Dogs. It's kind of got a fun, like, uh, adventure and kind of action stuff going on. Yeah. But speaking of more central 2000 AD characters, Drew yeah it's through for judge dread <laughs> script robot for judge dread is john wagner and alan grant art robot Robert uh ron smith letting robot tom frame so yeah man judge dread respect the badge he earned it with his blood fear the gun the sentence might be death because i am the law true i i i am the law that's right yeah so well, uh, I I believe you've said that you've told me that you've seen the two uh dread movies, is that right? The one with Stallone yes, and one is better and than Carl the other. Urban. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Although actually I'd I'd say that the actual comics dread is sort of a mix of the two, maybe even leaning a bit more towards the Stallone one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one of those things where um one of the problems with the Stallone movie is that it's almost too true to the comics, I guess. Like you know how like, like in like the original X Men movies, for instance, they make a joke about wearing uh, yellow about Wolverine wearing yellow spandex. Because, yes, because while that's something that we're very used to in the comics, you think about seeing it in real life, and just be, the jump from comic comic book page to reality makes it look kind of dumb, right?
1: Oh, just you wait till the MCU gets his hand on the Wolverines.
0: Right. I'm just saying that there's a similar thing in the Stallone movie where they've adapted it so faithfully that it doesn't, it, it, it has trouble surviving the jump from <laughs> um, comic book page to to silver screen, basically. Okay. You know, so, and, and Dread can be kind of silly and it's definitely created as a satire of fascism instead of just promoting it sort of in a Starship Troopers kind of way, but basically here's the idea of judge dread drew in the far future 2107 at this point the united states east coast has been consolidated into one giant urban area called megacity one and the law in this megalopolis is the judges the police judge jury and executioner all in one for this post need dystopia of megacity one it's awesome (laughs) okay Be- beyond the walls of the city are the barren wasteland of the cursed earth judge red started in prog 2 has been running basically ever since the comic sort of moves forward sort of in real time so like the first issue so like, like the first episode in prog 2 was set in 2099 and now nine years later it's like you know 2107 or 2108 basically and you know now it's like twenty thirty something in uh in in Mega City One like like as we're recording this and there's a lot of like oh like Dread you're getting old for this stuff you know things like that so we're just I'll kind of interesting too old for this stuff yeah although he's been actually re- rejuvenated a couple times like scientifically to make him be a okay. little bit younger for this stuff whatever. <laughs> But yeah, like I said earlier, Dread's 2080s top character basically has got the most mainstream recognition, of course, the several movies. Um, there's been a lot of dread artists over the years, but John Wagner and his writing partner, Alan Grant, have done the, the most writing for it. He's basically s- sort of considered the master of Dredd in terms of writing. The artist here, Ron Smith, is an English artist with a very distinctive sort of caricature art style. And for me, he's one of the definitive dread artists as well. And, you know, he's just a re- Dred's just a real important character in 2000 AD. Basically, real fun too, just all over the place, right? And it's, I really love that it can vary in tone from being a very funny strip to a very serious, dramatic strip as well. Um, it besides being in the Progs in 19 in, in 1986, dread has also been in a weekly in, in a weekly comic strip in the Daily Star newspaper for a little while. And these strips are frequently collected in batches of six in these specials and annuals. And that's what we're getting here. All of these comics were published between late 1984 and early 1985. So it's basically six like sort of Sunday strips that are are all sort of one offs all in a row. Uh, the first one's called Midnight Mugger. It's a quick little story where a mugger tries to, you know, mug somebody, but it turns out that the guy he's trying to rob is actually a robot, a mugging decoy that, uh, dread uses to, to mass arrest these muggers. He's got, he, this guy's the 40th that they've caught in one night, and they're just all sort of lined up in the back of a wagon to, to be processed and put in ISO cubes. It's pretty awesome. Oh, dang. Remember, kids, <laughs> crime doesn't pay. Yeah, but sometimes it's the only thing to do in Mega City 1, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the next story is called Ancient Error and we see Dread visiting a 157-year-old uh, citizen named Don Cosmo at the George Raft Home for Retired Gangsters. Um <laughs> a lot of buildings and city blocks in Mega City 1 like these big big gigantic apartment buildings with tens of thousands of people in them that make up the city are named after celebrities. Um, For instance, here, George Raft was an actor who played a lot of gangsters and stuff, including having a role in the original Scarface Uh, movie. And it's funny because a lot of the of the names are sort of very sort of mid 20th century uh, uh, celebrities and like often a lot of like character names from like popular TV shows at the time and stuff. It's a very it reminds me a lot of like Futurama where, you know, Futurama's got all these celebrity uh, heads in jars, but many of the celebrities are. You know, from like the year 2000. You know, <laughs> like right, in their right, right. in their 2000 uh, year 2000 versions or whatever, just sort of because it's a cartoon from that era. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I think it's funny because uh, since, Co- since this Don Cosmo guy is 157 years old, it means that he was probably born in, like, 1950, and that he would actually be older than you and me, like, right now, I guess, even though he's okay. in this far future comic as well, you know, just a weird timeline thing. Right. Um, anyhow. A uh, he's sort of taunt Dredd because he's 157 years old. But he never made a mistake and never got caught by the law. But Dredd's here to say otherwise because a concrete slab in Old Town was just dug up and a body was found inside of it. That body had a knife in his back and it had the fingerprints of Donald Cosmo. So he's going to jail. Oh, dang. Even though that's like a hundred years ago, because there's no statute of limitations on murder, especially not when the judges Remember are kids, involved.
1: Crime doesn't pay. <laughs> well,
0: next up is a, is a war and peace. Dredd is interviewing this guy, uh, a mugging victim named Chuck O'Flynn, who claims to be a prophet of some sort. We see him preaching a, me- a message of love and embracing your fellow man and rejecting hate and violence, but gets a face full of goop for his trouble. Dread asks him about his philosophy, but when Chuck responds that he's appealing to people's better nature, Dread sends him straight to the Psycho Cubes for observation, because he's got to be crazy. And remember, kids, (laughs) crime doesn't pay. (laughs) No, nor does asking people to not do crimes. Not possible. (laughs) that's right <laughs> yeah uh, next story is called Hot on the Trail we see Dread following a perp into a factory using high tech stuff like an infrared beam an, ultra, an ultrasonic scanner he finds the perp but then demurs about the the uh, the tech he used oh it was just a hunch <laughs> and
1: remember kids tech is problematic uh, yeah
0: yeah listen I mean Dred's fought a war against robots like that's how it goes you know try to take over the city it was crazy oh.
1: <laughs> also crime doesn't pay blah 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 yada yada exactly finally
0: there's a two-parter um i think it's really funny that that, that, that there's a two-parter one of these the uh this weekly that this a daily star strip summarized a storyline called the apocalypse war which ran for six months of 2080 progs in a single sun uh, saturday strip but this story takes two weeks anyhow (laughs) (laughs) the gangster smiley gun or yeah Slimy Gums wants to turn himself in, but he'll only talk to Dredd. Dred comes in to talk to him, but then just shoots the gangster in the head, revealing him to be a robot with a bomb inside. But that means it's time for Dredd to get back his own from the trap and take, bat- take down Slimy Gums. Dred shows up at his base, and while he can't prove that Gums sent him, the, sent him a bomb, he can prove that he's parked illegally, and that's enough for him to get 30 days in the cubes. And then when he gets out, the car will still be illegally parked, and he'll arrest him for another 30 days. So, <laughs> in the end, rather than get a de facto life sentence based on parking crimes, Gums admits to sending the bomb and gets a life sentence for real, and that's plea bargaining, Mega City One-style. <laughs>
1: And remember kids And crime doesn't uh, pay Obviously You know Find the right parking spots Come on
0: 30 days buddy They, they go real hard On Mega City 1 Always
1: Also crime doesn't pay That's right
0: <laughs> And speaking Of doing crimes And looking good fu- and, and looking good Drew Sorry Looking good Drew It's 305 Slain the king So This is just a big One page uh, Or two page pinup For the character Slain And It's by artist Glenn uh, Fabry, who I know best for doing the covers for the Preacher comics. I don't know if you ever read those, Drew. I
1: have read the Preacher comics, as Uh, a matter
0: of fact. uh, Glenn Glenn Fabry did, did the covers for them, which have kind of a different style than the inside, basically. Oh, dang. But he's drawing here the Celtic warrior Slane, who's another 2080 top dog. Slane's a fantasy story that touches on elements of both New Age philosophy and Celtic mysticism. It's also got dudes getting their heads cut off with axes, so good times, you know. Um, Right, 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 right. (laughs) This two-page color pinup is a preview of the forthcoming Slane the King storyline, and it looks like Slane is smuggling an armadillo in his trousers, so good times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude uh, is packing. Oh yeah. man.
0: Listen, like, you know, gets it's getting serious out here in the in the, in in the uh, in the past of uh, Ireland or future Wales. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's real ridiculous and that's why we go to Thrill 6. Anything goes Judge Dread. Which is a brief feature story, um basically an Irish TV show called Anything Goes had a competition for people to send in single page dread scri- strip scripts. They post like the comic winners and a couple runner-ups, and they're all pretty fun—just sort of like kids and young adults drawing dread strips and being all ridiculous. Um, you know, fun stuff. A lot of times, there's a lot of fan art that gets sent in to 2000 AD, and they usually print one or two pictures every week. So this is sort of the fan art portion of of this special, I guess. I can get behind that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's neat. And but yeah. going back, going back to slain, let's go to Thrill Seven: The Devil's Banquet. <laughs> Uh, script wrote by Pat Mills, art by Glenn Fa- uh, Fabry, le- letting robot uh, Tony Jacob, and then just more Slane stuff here. The writer for Slane is Pat Mills, who's very important. He's basically the father of modern British comics. He created or co-created a lot of key characters and was the founding editor of both Action and 2000 AD, which I mentioned above. Slane's one of his fi- signature characters, and he's the only one who's written who's written for the character in the 35 or so years that it's been out in the comics, basically. So we've got a big connection to it. Right now we're about to start a new Slain storyline called Slain the King, and this is basically a one-page preview of it as we see Ragall, the head of Slain's tribe, go to visit Baylor, the head of the Formorian Sea Devils, which is a race of space or orcs or shark orcs, I should say, that have conquered the the area recently. <laughs> um we see the sea devils force him to eat from this gross bog of various like foods, vomit, old horses, God knows what else. But when he does, they drown him in it instead. Oh, it's bad times, oh, and that's man, like
1: that's that's so appetizing. Just, yeah. Uh
0: real bad times these sea devils look real evil i can't wait for slain this giant package to show up and just start killing them all Ooh, that's gonna be <laughs> awesome <laughs> real yeah real fun stuff i don't know i, I just like slain showing up i should mention also that slain's got a bunch of like um accent marks over the vowels in his name i think if you're like welsh you actually pronounce his name uh slawnya or something like that
1: yeah that's that but that's i ain't doing right. that because i'm an so american that and that's there, how we roll all the, right uh, the mark over
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess going back to the Daily Star strips, we're rolling on with Thrill 8, Judge Dread. A scripture about John Wagner and Nolan Grant is TB Grover, Arthur about Steve Dillon letter about Tom Frame. Uh, so Wagner and Grant are using their pseudonym T.B. Grover for this dread story. As they write, uh-huh. these guys write a lot of stuff in 2000 AD, and they use a ton of different pseudonyms basically to hide the fact that two dudes write the majority of the comic, often like three-fifths <laughs> or even four-fifths of the comic of, of an individual prog might be written by them at this era, basically. they are got a very high production rate. The artist here is Steve Dillon, who's probably more, fa- who's, who's, I'd say, most famous for the art in the inside of the Preacher comics, which he did al- almost all of. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, a lot of Preacher in 2000 AD. Like, Garth Ennis hasn't... I don't think he's started writing yet, but the guy who wrote Preacher will also be a big 2000 AD writer as well. They sort of got... The, you know, it, it all sort of started here and then moved over to the States, essentially. That's neat. Like, not Preacher itself, but the creative teams. Like, they sort of started in right, on right, 2000 right, AD right, and then right. moved on. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So, we see... Uh, we open with a, juve, a juvenile citizen of Mega City 1 running through the deserted streets of the Citizen... Uh, He's got the smell of fear on him when he's stopped by Judge Dredd. (laughs) Dredd interrogates the Jew, but gets no info. We learn that his name is Dink Jowett, and he's uh, been brought in. He's been arrested previously for careless walking, because that's the kind of crimes that you can get arrested for in Mega City (laughs) 1.
1: Well, because it's Mega City 1. Exactly. he He is the law.
0: That's right. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like shouting you are the law can sort of um can create an idea that dreads this sort of completely lawless like uh like you know overbearing fascist but there are sort of laws in Mega City one and judges can get in trouble for breaking them like they go to um if a if a judge breaks the law they go to serve a life sentence on the on the moon on saturn's moon titan for like 20 years basically Oh, wow. So, okay. like when Dredd said he says he's the law, it's not that he's a law unto himself. It's that he's sort of a a, a guy who enforces it. You know, he's like he's 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 lawful neutral. So he sort of like just in, enforces things very well and will enforce it against other judges right. and things like that With if he feels like it. it's called for. Basically, just FYI, I guess. <laughs> um, Dred sees that Dink is lying using his lie detector, his portable lie detector, Birdie, and he brings him into the sector house where there's less the smell of fear and more the smell of despair, grief, and misery. Good times.
1: Also possibly urine. Who knows?
0: Hey, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Dink's internal monologue tells him to be strong and to keep his secret from Dread and the judges, but they make him, like, strip down. They make him throw up to, like, check the contents of his stomach. They have his apartment searched, and nothing seems to break him until eventually, under heavy questioning, the lab comes back with their results. They found traces of grass, clover, and flower pollen on his clothes, and that's something you don't see every day in Mega City 1. Mm. Because it's just a big, you know, barren, city- like concrete cityscape, basically. Right. Um, the closest botanical garden that grows this kind of grass is in Britsick, Um, But Dred then puts it together and says he's, he must have been going to the Fitzenheimer place. And Dred calls old lady Fitzenheimer and warns her about him, but she seems pretty okay with it. And Dred just kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, hey, like, don't blame me when these Jews you just let break into your place b- blow your brains out at some point. Um, dink is sentenced to six months for withholding information as you do because you got to arrest him for something Uh six months later he's out and goes back to the place he was before the fitzenheimer ladies lovely rich lady garden oh it's real nice but also like you know it's it's in full color it's very green and lush but it's also a real stark example of the differences between the haves and haves-nots in Mega City 1 that, like, you know, this lady can be all on her own and have this wonderful garden, whereas most Mega Citizens are just sort of in, like, concrete and blacktop and, like, you know, neon chrome, like, uh, you know, wasteland, basically. So, you know, eat right. eat the yeah. the Rich. That's all I'm trying to say, Drew. Whatever. Yes. Oh. Eat the rich. That's <laughs> That's what the lesson is to learn here.
1: It's eat the rich.
0: Yeah. You know, you got to pick and choose who you're going to eat, I suppose, which brings us to... Thrill nine, take your pick quiz. <laughs> pick and choose, see how it goes. Yeah. Master transitions. Um, awesome. So, a lot of times these specials will have like tech stories or quizzes like this one just to add some extra ed- entertainment value without having to pay for a bunch of pages from an artist, basically. <laughs> like, you know, I'll, we'll just reuse some stock images and then put some words behind it because those are pretty cheap because we just sort of have the editor write them or something like that actually um, yeah this time there's two different quizzes there's a hard one and an easy one but the answers are the same it's just the easy quiz has a, has a multiple choice answers and is phrased a little bit easier basically um yeah i i, I did the quiz drew i wouldn't expect you too because you got no basis for knowing this stuff um, absolutely none no. absolutely none yeah i had trouble with the hard questions because a lot of time naming the people was hard i was like oh yeah i know that guy like it was the guy with the thing you know the uh, thing in the face you know the face that one face <laughs> i've read like 480 and 70 goddamn progs buddy like it's hard to keep the <laughs> names straight you know um but when i but the easy questions with the multiple choice i i, I totally aced like that one i knew right away so whatever get out of here <laughs>
1: I'm like whatever, man. You, you do you. You know.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Hey, I, I appreciate your your validation, buddy. That means a lot. All right. You are welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're making a real splash in this podcast, which brings us to <laughs> Thrill Ten. The day 2018 went splash. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm a petty man, Drew. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> This is a photo feature. The BBC show Splash visited the 2080 um, offices and looks like it was a ton of fun. Uh, They made uh, actual 2080 editor Steve McManus put on the Tharg costume they have for the show, which I always think is really funny. Just like, like, listen, you're the editor, so you got to put this costume on. Like, no, man, like, I'm like a big wheel here. Like, no, you put that thing on, you know. <laughs> It'd be like if, uh, if Stan Lee, like, had an aso- had a weird co- part of his costume or something. Like, like if, if Stan Lee, like, was also a gorilla, so he had to wear a gorilla mask whenever he did anything, you know. just this right. Later, right. Late in later dates, just all of his cameos were just him in a gorilla mask, like, driving the bus or whatever else, you know. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So... Alright, getting towards the end here, Drew, Drew, just some quick stuff. We with Thrill Eleven, Judge Dredd. With a big old color pin-up here by John Higgins, showing a very cool, like Judge Dredd, stand over a bunch of defeated mutants. A big a uh, text thing that's like a, a parody of the Charge of the Light Brigade poem. Where it's a, in the city of death stole the 400 intent on a midnight raid. Now they're on, now they're, uh, now they're on their own to the cube because they reckoned without the city's heavy dread brigade. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Real good. Fun stuff. Just, you know, a bunch of dread just killing hella dudes. I'm into it. Um, next up, there's the blood cadets. Is just a quick feature with some art by Ian Gibson. um, As we get an overview of the training regimen of cadet judges, they start at age five. So it's very sort of a Jedi's in Star Wars. You know, you can be like seven years old and you're too old to begin the training. Good stuff. Uh Um, Yeah. I like some of the stuff they mention in here. Like they talk about how um, clone judges like Judge Dredd and his brother Rico are allowed to go in basically once they're hatched out of the tubes instead of waiting five years, which is kind of interesting. Um. Huh. Yeah. so the clone stuff from the Stallone movie for instance like very early part of uh, 2000 AD Dread like he's it's not even a secret like it was in the movie this everybody knows he's a clone he had a crooked brother named Rico possibly played by Armando Sante it's a crazy thing um, <laughs> the tutors at the academy are all old or injured former judges sort of like in uh, Starship Troopers where like you know the guys that teach a government class all have like artificial limbs and stuff Judges wear white helmets until they graduate. They go through tough tests, including the so-called hot dog run, which takes them into the cursed earth. And, Drew, oh, man, it's time for the end of our hot dog run as we get to the final thrill of this podcast. Thrill 13, Strontium Dog Part (laughs) 2. Sorry, it's Thrill 13 because I had blood cadets initially as Thrill 12, and I just decided, ah, let's just mash them together. So again... Eh,
1: why, why not? You know. Yeah,
0: listen. Yeah. We're busy, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Busy yes. dudes. Yeah. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Carlos the Scare Learning robot T- uh, Peter Knight, and Jack Potter. So we're just finishing up the strong Team Dog story. Johnny and Wolf burst into the room full of pirates, and Johnny activates his beam polarizer, a spinning magnet kind of thing that draws in all the beams of the laser weapons in the area and lets Wolf and Johnny wade in with hand-to-hand combat weapons, basically. Wolf hits him with his happy stick, and Johnny uses his electro-knucks, which are part brass knuckles, part, like, electric whip kind of thing. It's pretty cool.
1: Oh, that is pretty <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, but when the fight heats up papa porka threatens the ship's captain and johnny's gotta deactivate the beam polarizer and use a special setting on his blaster so that the like energy beam travels straight through the captain but then reappears on the other side of him and hits the pirate leader instead which kills him oh dang yeah good use of crazy laser action here for sure Awesome. Like he's he'll use this later like he gets driven insane by a mean alien and he like pretends that he's going to shoot himself in the head but actually the beam like travels through his head and then hits the alien on the other side of it and stuff like that. It's, it's cool stuff. Okay. Oh, we, weird laser things. Um so anyhow he hits the pirate leader The uh, Papa Porka releases the prisoners And promises to leave them safely But then when the porcine pirate Eventually goes back on that promise Johnny plays his trump card Which is that he put a uh, small nuke He planted a small nuke in Porka's ship And so he explodes as you do basically You know hard out there because, because For pirates or pay. whatever Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the captain apologizes For being mean To uh the strontium dogs and he lets them uh and they and they prepare to stay in the main deck of the ship for the rest of the trip they want to get their uh, buddy the gronk too but when they do they see that the gronk is dying because the uh, uh, excitement of the pirate stuff was too oh, no. much for his poor hearts and he dies but drew oh man with his dying wish he asks wolf to skin him and wear his fur as a sweet jerkin yeah wolf agrees and the boys travel the rest of the trip in style with sweet with a sweet new jerkin on wolf's shoulder all right i'll let you know that later on they'd make friends with another slightly hardier gronk who would become their team medic and that wolf will go on to wear that gronk skin jerkin basically until he dies in one of our most recent episodes when he was killed by um angry fugitives out for revenge basically (laughs) I mean, as you do, yeah, right. basically. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So the special ends yeah. Yeah. with an exhortation to buy 2000 AD. It's only 26 pence a week, so, you know, shell out, you cheap old kids. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then the back page is an ad for the Forbidden Planet comic book shops, which have a ton of 2000 AD merchandise uh, and collected editions of comics and stuff like that as well. And oh man, Drew! with that we've completed the stories in this the 1986 2080 sci-fi special yeah so what do you think about 2080 at this point it kind of interest like i don't know have you found it to be interesting or like an uh i don't know a cool thing or something like that i guess
1: (laughs) i i i I certainly am more interested in the uh, strontium dog story because that's pretty awesome nice
0: yeah. Cool. So I guess I have one big, one more big question for you, Drew. Which is What's what? That? What were your top and bottom thrills for this special?
1: Top thrill would be the Straw Team Dog story, especially with that sweet like time traveling mind that he had to use. Nice. That thing was awesome.
0: Yeah. Totally. What's your bottom thrill, buddy? Uh, that quiz, man. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> You've been alienated by weird quizzes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, that's fair, I guess. You know, always good. Awesome. I think for me, I'm going to go along with you with uh, Team Dog as the top thrill. I thought that was really fun. And it's really neat to see these early adventures of Johnny and Wolf, just because we've seen a lot of like plot development with them in recent weeks. So it's cool to sort of be back in the old days for sure. Um, for bottom, I'm going to say Rogue Trooper, I guess, just because it was such a bummer and that's such a dark ending about making Rogue the bad guy of the story and stuff. And just kind of, I don't know, felt weirdly aimless or something like that. Like there were some parts that just kind of felt like, oh, we're just gonna wander through the chem clouds and like talk about really the nature of war or that something. Whole war is hell, thing. Yeah, it just really put too much of a button on it, which is often a problem with uh, Rogue Trooper, to be honest. But oh man, all right, Drew hope you had a good time here to ta- learn about 2000 ad and what the other podcast does i guess <laughs> <laughs> as always you you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes Stitcher, uh the google play store or our podcast site space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter we at space spinner 2k everything else look up 2000 ad or sir uh, look up to space spinner 2000 i should say and we should be there and then hey you can find stranger by the dozen the podcast me and drew do at most of those same places on twitter at stranger by the 12 that's stranger by the one two and then stranger by the dozen on facebook and instagram drew is there anything else you'd like to plug on the internet
1: um i got nothing i mean if you want to like follow my bad opinions
0: i'm on twitter at neo the dark nice all right hey you're a cool dude drew i like your bad opinions they're okay and, you know, and, and everyone else can come back next time as 2080 celebrates its ninth anniversary with three new thrills sooner or later judge anderson and bad city blue and we'll start the new strong Team dog storyline rage until then i'm conrad he's true and we are space spinner 2000 splendid for three. all right